Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ship It and Sip It. Today, I'm delighted to welcome a new founder and new guest to our digital studio, uh, Maya Aravapali. She is the founder of Interview Jam and a data scientist and a keen fan of building in public. So I'm happy to talk with you today, Maya. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. All right. So today we're going to talk about uh, your experience building Interview Jam, more specifically about how you built it with Bubble, the no-code uh, app builder tool. Also about uh, balancing full-time work and building in public and what your experience has been like so far with all of that. So just to start off, I guess, um, what was your inspiration for Interview Jam? Yeah, so like I was just getting into like my founder journey and wanting to build things. And during the same time, I was just getting out of the rotational program that I was in right out of university. So I was in the position where I had to like look for a full time job. And one of the biggest struggles I found was, you know, I have so many different applications and so many different interviews. Like, how do I prepare effectively for each one? And I was like, there has to be a better process for this. And, um, you know, also during that time, I was actively interviewing other people and I saw that a lot of people had, um, you know, had been missing out on opportunities because of the lack of preparation. So I wanted to build Interview Jam to kind of solve this problem of preparing efficiently with AI. So um, that was my own, like, original inspiration for Interview Jam. And, um, you know, it's been a great journey. And, like, you know, I also brought in a co-founder now, so that's pretty cool. So, Yeah. Very neat. Um, we have a lot of founders who are just starting out with their new idea in a program that we're running right now called NanoGrint, uh, and that is a lead-in to our bootcamp, which is a lead-in to our accelerator. So I'd love for you to, to give them a little bit of, I don't know if it's advice yet, but perspective on uh, what it was like when you just started Interview Jam out. Uh, how did you get feedback and what did the idea validation process look like? Yeah, I know that's a great question. And I, I do want to say, like, you know, when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like really grateful to like kind of find resources like um like I joined Reforge, like the product management courses, um, which helped me kind of learn more about user research and how to conduct them. Um, so was really grateful to find stuff like that. Um, in terms of validating the idea for Interview Jam, I mainly focused on, you know, um, because it started off with a problem which I faced. I talked to other people who were having the problem, especially like students from my university who were, you know, about to graduate. So that was more like qualitative research I did. I also conducted like a survey um, to kind of get a better understanding of like quantitative like kind of research. Um, and in addition to that, like, you know, my co-founder is a career coach and um, kind of like the university I went to. So she's kind of coached like hundreds of students when they're preparing for interviews. And I got feedback from her and the career services from my university. Um, so that's just some of the ways I validated the idea. Um, and in regards to like kind of advice or anything like, you know, I just feel like the biggest thing is like to just get started and take action because I think one of the biggest mistakes I made was I knew I wanted to build something. I knew I wanted to like be a founder, but I spent a lot of time just reading and kind of learning instead of just actively applying. And then one day I was like, I found Bubble and I just kind of was like, I'm going to learn it. And when I started learning and kind of building, that's when I made the most progress. And, you know, I probably may have not built Interview Gem if I didn't take that first step of taking action. 
Super. Yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, I guess it would be good to give a bit of perspective in terms of timeline here. Uh, so when did you really finalize the idea or say that you wanted to build Interview Jam and, and what kind of time frame was there from that point to when I guess the MVP was launched in April? Yeah, it was like March, late March, April. Um, and yeah, so I started learning Bubble around last August. So like August 2022. And um, it took me like a while to actually learn it. So it was like I was just playing around with the platform and things and I was trying to gain the skills. So that was from like August to like maybe like a couple months after that. So maybe like November timeframe. So I started building the MVP like around November. And, um, you know, it was a lot of like trial and error, a lot of iterating, a lot of just kind of figuring things out. Um, so I decided like, you know, I feel like when you're building something for the first time, it's so easy to kind of like over engineer and kind of want to make it perfect. So I decided I'm going to just, you know, I've built like something good. I'm just going to launch it. So around, I, I guess, um, like February, I decided I'm going to start launching. So that was like all the product hunt launch prep and kind of getting active, which I know we're going to talk about. So um, so I would say it's like nearly a year now, like, you know, it's all almost August, I guess it's May, so not really, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so I guess we can take a moment here to dive into the bubble process a little bit. Uh, why did you choose that tool specifically? And what were some of the challenges that you found in learning how to use it and then learning how to build the product that you wanted to build with it? Yeah. And I think, you know, like I was kind of learning about no code tools at the same time. So like I was looking at Webflow, I was looking at like some other platforms. And the reason I kind of landed on Bubble was I feel like it had kind of like the all in one solution, like with the database, like kind of like everything there for me to build. Um, it was definitely more difficult. And a lot of people had like had asked me, like, why did you start with Bubble? Because it's one of the most complex platforms to learn. But I think it was also the most comprehensive and I kind of knew that, you know, if I'd spent the time learning it, I could kind of build anything I wanted or at least, you know, almost anything. So um, that's why I chose Bubble. And one of the biggest challenges I faced when I started using Bubble was I didn't really have an idea of like, you know, there's the front end of like, you know, the visual kind of side of it. And then there's the back end workflows. And I know like, optimizing the workflows are more important now, but that's something I didn't even think about when I was starting. I think it was just like the getting the layout and kind of the design and learning how to kind of like use the elements in the most efficient way. Um, it was definitely like a really big learning curve. Like I think it was super hard for me to even do the smallest things like, you know, container layouts and everything. But um, I think the biggest challenge was like just keep going with it because I feel like oftentimes it's like especially when you're starting a product or building a product that's like so early, there's so many things you have to iterate and change. And I think once you build something and you kind of figure something out and you have to change it literally the next day, I think it's like staying motivated to do that. Um, but I think it's a great platform. I think the database design is another challenge because you want to make sure that like you have to think through what kind of data you need to collect from the users and how to most efficiently store that data. Um, and repeating groups were like my my worst um like you know roadblock like in in bubble like in how to display that data from the database so it's like little hurdles but like once you get past it you can pretty much like i feel like i'm confident to build a lot of things now so it's definitely worth learning very cool and i guess when you were learning bubble do they 
I know that Webflow has a pretty comprehensive learning resource university, they call it, I think, on Webflow. Um, does, does Bubble provide a lot of those resources as well, or are there other uh, places where you went to learn more when you were starting out? Yeah, so Bubble has like a forum, like a Bubble forum where you can kind of ask questions, kind of people are usually quick to respond on there. But I think I gained the most from like YouTube and like watching other people build other things and just kind of taking little elements from that to my own product. Um, I think especially because like there's so many different kinds of apps that are being built and so much of what you build is going to be specific to your app. You just kind of have to find the next best thing on YouTube and trying to find it. And that's kind of why I started my YouTube channel. Like even though it might not be applicable to everybody, it's like just getting people there faster than I got there. So um, YouTube is like a great resource for Bubble, I think, more than actually the docs or anything, which I, I probably shouldn't say, but yeah. Okay. Uh, since you mentioned it, can you just give a little shout out to your YouTube channel if you'd like people to go and watch? Uh, is it mostly about how to build stuff with Bubble or other no-code tools? What's there? Yeah, it's just, I, I'm just getting started and it's just basically like little bubble tutorials of like things that I kind of learned the hard way. Like, you know, like I have one which is like how to integrate chat GPT with your bubble app or kind of how to import designs into bubble from Figma. So it's like little things that I took maybe an hour or two to figure out or more. And I just kind of delivered in like less than 10 minutes. So it's called Build with awesome. Maya. Yeah. Build with Maya. All right. I'll drop the, the link for that in the show notes. Um, Okay, so you mentioned that you have brought on a co-founder at some point. Uh, I'm curious, I guess I'm always interested in founder dynamics. It's a very important part of startups. So uh, when did that happen and why did you feel like it was the right move? Yeah, so like my co-founder, Renee, she's kind of been part of the process all throughout, kind of started off as like an advisor. And, um, you know, I think the key is like, you know, we kind of came to an agreement that like, you know, when you do have a co-founder, sometimes when things go wrong, like the relationship kind of falls apart. So we kind of like made sure that like, you know, we're friends first and then like kind of any kind of obstacles that we face, like we kind of have to like kind of agree that we're friends. And she she's like great. She's definitely like she's built several products in the past and she's currently like the director of like master's program. So it's a little bit like, you know, like an odd relationship, but it works for this product. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to see what we're going to like, you know, build further with interview gem together. Awesome. Well, so far, uh, you, you mentioned on Twitter at the end of last month, um, from March 25th to April 25th, you got 500 signups. And I guess, was that more or less or about what you were expecting and sort of what was your reaction to that sort of traction? Yeah, no, I was super happy. I think, you know, like, um, it was, I, I didn't really have any expectations, you know, like I just kind of like put it out there. I kind of wanted to see how it would do. I did all the prep work, but I kind of went into it saying like, you know, I've already accomplished something. I'm just going to put it out there and hopefully it helps people. So it was definitely like more than I expected, um, I guess. But I think the biggest thing was like, you know, I think the product hunt launch was, you know, you can think of it two ways. You can either, either think of it as like, the first kind of momentum builder, or you can kind of think of it as like a momentum continuer, like you already have some momentum going and then you launch on Product Hunt to kind of keep it going. So um, the the Product Hunt launch, I kind of used it as like kind of like a momentum starter. So we got like the first 100 signups from the launch. And then as like 
you know, after the launch happened and, you know, we tried to keep that momentum going. And I think we did a pretty good job of it. Like, that's why I think the 400 other subscribers, not subscribers, the 400 other signups came onto the platform. And I think the key is really figuring out, like, if you want to use launch as a continuer or a builder and um, or like starter. Sorry, I don't know why I said builder. I think I used the word build too much. But um, <laughs> but. But yeah, I think, you know, it's it's I think the key is like keeping it going. And that's something we're kind of trying to do. It is definitely slowed down a bit. And it's just about like what other strategies you have to use um, to kind of keep it going. So. Yeah, very cool. And it, yeah, it's all good. Uh, very cool. Uh, and what in terms of momentum, um, what were a few of your other channels that you used to sort of share where, where you mainly on Twitter? I noticed you have a medium blog that's uh, you've not been writing super a lot of articles in there but uh were there any other tactics or channels that you used to to find those first users yeah i think twitter like so i actually like did not know about building in public or anything like that until like, like pretty much launch of my product so i wasn't really going through that full journey of building in public or building interview jam in public but I think, you know, after the launch, when I first started, like, kind of discovering more about it, I kind of started posting more about Interview Jam and also, like, you know, using other kind of channels. Like, you know, I started hosting, like, kind of, like, live streams where I talk about, like, where Renee and I get together and we talk about how, like, Interview Jam can help you with your interview prep and also, like, just general advice for job hunters. So um, just trying to test out different channels and like you know i kind of posted on all the like directories where it's like ai tools um and then see like if they approve it and then it's just another area where people can find you um and yeah still still thinking through um how to kind of grow it a little bit but yeah nice uh so in terms of uh, building in public and uh, i guess mostly on twitter uh, how has that been for you? Do you like the platform? Do you like the interaction style? Is the community very supportive to your to your idea? Yeah, so like I love Twitter. Like um, I, I may be a little addicted to it, but like it's, it's it might be a problem. But but basically, like you know, I didn't join Twitter until like like March, like March, like early March. Um, and, you know, I just started off like, you know, I know we're going to talk about like KP's like build in public fellowship as well later, but I just kind of started. And at first I was like super uncomfortable to post because I'm super introverted as well. So like I was like, how much do I share? What do I share? Um, but I realized, you know, early on, like the power of the community on Twitter, especially like between people who are building and people who are kind of interested in the same kind of no code tools. I think the community is very strong. So just kind of started interacting and started making friends and kind of went into the went into the kind of platform um, with the mindset of making friends. And that really helped. So I kind of, my strategy to Twitter was not really about the posting, but kind of reaching out to people, seeing if they're open for like a coffee chat. And I think over the course of like the last couple months, like I've talked to like 30, 40 people just from Twitter. So um it's just like building a community for yourself. And that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Um, and I think the other thing is like, it's also a little bit impactful because like, I want to kind of help other founders who are like, you know, maybe like two or three steps behind me or like earlier kind of in their stage to kind of get to where I am faster. So it's a great platform to do that and kind of share your learnings. 
Very cool. I guess while we're on the topic of community, I wanted to ask, uh, you're based in Atlanta and you're the first guest I've had uh, from Atlanta. So is there any sort of startup community there that you're active in? Are there founders that you meet up with regularly? Yeah, so I haven't been super involved in the startup kind of space in Atlanta. I'm just like getting started into that stuff. But I know there's like Atlanta Tech Village, which I want to get more involved in. Um, And I know Georgia Tech which is like a university, um, they have like a good startup kind of community there. So like, I mean, I don't know whether you have to be like a Georgia Tech alumni, but um, I'm still trying to figure out the scene, but I think it's definitely growing. Like there are more people coming in, a lot of younger people coming into the city. So hopefully like, um, you know, it'll, it's just going to grow and get better from here. Super. Uh, the other day I saw that you tweeted out, quote, the key is to show up and take little steps towards your goal every day, which is fairly a common thing for founders and, and anyone to say when they're chasing new goals. But I'm curious, what are your common blockers to this type of consistency and what have you tried to do to overcome and get around them? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest problems I have is like, I think I try to do too many things at once and I think for me like really focusing on one thing at a time really helps and I think once I start something and I kind of you know I'm in the stage I try to do it for like seven days straight or something I kind of build up that kind of practice into my routine I think the biggest thing for me is like having a like a goal and working towards that goal and like you know I the reason I posted that tweet was because of like I want to train for a triathlon and you know I guess that's like motivation for me to kind of like start working out every single day like I used to. Um, and, it, and, and it applies to like the founder journey as well, right? Like I feel like there's just so many things, especially as a solo founder, you need to take care of yourself. Um, and like, you know, I started off as a solo founder. So um, it's just prioritizing like really ruthlessly. Um, and I know we're going to go into like full-time job and like, you know, doing things on the side. So um, I think you know, it's, it's hard to get started, but once you get started, it's just about like adding the other routines into your life and making it like a habit. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, I'm happy to hear that you're training, going to train for a triathlon. That's very cool. I'm training right now for a marathon that's at the end of uh, this month. Uh, I'm a terrible swimmer, so I never had the, had the drive to go for triathlon, but I do love running and cycling. Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about that balance then now because, you know, uh, chasing a big goal like that, also having interview jam on the side and also having a full-time job is a lot of things on your plate. So uh, do, are you just endless uh, source of energy or how do you fit it all in? Yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely like, you know, you go through like little stages where you're like losing motivation or you're kind of burnt out. And I just, just try to kind of stay aware of myself like if I feel like I'm going to get to that stage I kind of just step back from everything I'm doing and kind of just bring my attention back to my own like personal like you know well-being and I think it's important to recognize because you know burnout just doesn't happen like immediately it kind of like is a process and you kind of just start seeing the signs and that's something that's helped me staying aware of myself when I'm doing all these things and when I do need to take a step back I give myself permission to do that um but definitely it is it is like a lot. So like what I try to do for my side projects is I try to do it. I used to do it evenings after work, but then I kind of realized it was kind of burning me out. I didn't have time for like working out or anything. So I decided to flip my schedule around where like 
that's why like you know i'm up early in the morning like i kind of work on my own like side projects and building stuff in the mornings and then i go to work and then the evenings i keep it free so you kind of spend time with your family like my family and like um kind of make time for like my own well-being like meditation and everything and um i think the biggest thing is like you know trying not to think of like all the different things like when you have many different things like try to focus on one thing like you know i write down like six things that are my priority for the week and i don't think of anything other than that like i just try to go after those six things yeah that makes a lot of sense and uh, i've been there myself where it feels like there's so many things that i want to get done during a day during an afternoon during a week and you don't know where to start so good idea there um, I guess before we move on from Interview Jam completely, uh, what is your goal for it right now? And what are maybe some milestones that you're looking to reach in the near future? Yeah, so like I think one of the biggest things since launch was like talking to more users, getting feedback. And, you know, we've gotten pretty good feedback so far. Um, and I think one of the things that I saw was like a pattern where like Interview Jam was resonating more with one particular group. So I think one big milestone would be like kind of testing out a potential pivot um, for that like niche audience. And then like um, the other thing is like, you know, I feel like an idea is really never validated fully unless people are like willing to pay and are paying for it. So I think monetizing, um, you know, it's it's never really about the money for me, but I just want to make sure that I want to monetize and kind of make sure that people are willing to pay. So I know whether to like spend a lot of time, a lot more for time on it. Um, or like, you know, just move on to a new project or something, so. Okay, and speaking of, I guess, moving on to new things, you mentioned that you're doing KP's Build in Public Fellowship, or you did that before. Right now you're doing the um, 100 Days of No Code Bootcamp. Uh, so are there some other tools that you're trying to learn right now? And you also bought a new domain, so what's yeah. cooking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like, the no code like um, bootcamp. The reason I joined it is like I wanted to learn more about other no code tools other than Bubble, um, and because I feel like Bubble is not efficient for everything. If you're just building like kind of like a lightweight thing, it's easier to use something like I don't know like Webflow or like software or something. So um, just kind of understanding the landscape of no code, and um, so I think the new domain. I bought a new domain. Um, the idea is still like a little unclear to me, but essentially it's like platform to help early stage founders or kind of people who have like a goal of becoming something um, like for example I've had a lot I've had a lot of people reach out to me asking about data science and they want to be a data scientist but they have no one to guide them so um, I guess you're that you guys are the first people I'm announcing it to but it's basically like a platform um, it's called switch connect where it's a community built on sharing expertise and building genuine friendships so we'll see how it goes it's just like a random idea that I wanted to build out but um yeah and uh Very cool. so i think that probably will not be built on bubble so we'll see um what other tool i will use very cool well we'll be eager to to see um how you build it and what it turns out to be uh when you do launch it um let's see i do want to go back to kp's build in public fellowship because uh he just had our cto on his show the other day, the episode came out this week, and um, we at Parallect have sponsored a couple of this podcasts as well as a new sort of marketing channel that we're trying out. 
So uh, can you give us an inside look into that Build in Public Fellowship? Uh, what were some of your key takeaways and would you recommend it to other new founders? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like, I think KP's Fellowship is like the best kind of investment I've made in my life. And, you know, actually it's funny because because I didn't have Twitter or anything, I didn't know who KP was until like I came across the Google Doc, like which he had for like his initial like build in public fellowship. And, um, you know, I did a little bit more research and just decided I had a conversation with him. And then I just immediately decided I'm going to just, you know, join it, take the like, like take a leap of faith and just join it. So I went in with like no expectations. I didn't realize, like didn't even know what build in public was really. Um, And, you know, now that I'm kind of out of the fellowship, completed the fellowship, I think the biggest thing is like the people like you know you have a community of other builders and like you have like people in venture capital you have people who are like um one of my friends Rachel she's doing like mapping sessions where she's trying to help people get clarity or help people get clarity on their goals in life so it's like you meet a diverse set of people and you bring them all together and you're just there to support each other and um KP is like incredible person he like is the most generous person you'll ever meet so I think it was really like 100% recommend it to anybody who's interested. Um, it's it's like, I think actually like thinking about it, like when you're starting on your founder journey, it's like hard to kind of find like belonging. Like I especially like I work from home. There's not really many startup or people who are interested in startups around me. But um, when I joined the fellowship, I just felt like I belonged. And I think that feeling itself is like super important when you're getting started because you need people to believe in you and kind of motivate you and cheer you on and that's what that provided me so it was it was incredible so. awesome all right well community is a huge part of your success i guess so far and anyone's success um but your most popular tweet that i found at least from from the recent ones uh or the most engaging tweet the active discussion came around uh how to how do you keep yourself motivated when you feel like giving up so what are some of your motivations? You you mentioned that you um, weren't super, you mentioned that you weren't placing a very high value on monetization with Interview Jam. So what, what are some of your other motivations if it's not money? Yeah, so I think, you know, the reason I even wanted to start building things was I'm really like, you know, into like making an impact on other people's lives, like positive impact. Um, you know, I when I was like a teenager, I started a nonprofit, um, which helps like children in India like get like the resources they need in school. But you know, when I was 16, 17 years old, I didn't really know how to scale anything, and it kind of just kind of shut down. And that was like a huge disappointment for me. But then I started learning about building products, and you know, a product is scalable. You're not scalable, but a product is. So it's like the impact you can have on other people's lives by building a product is like my ultimate kind of motivation to keep going because, um, you know, you can scale it and you can, you know, really make a difference. Um, so, and regarding the motivation tweet, it was just like a week where I was feeling demotivated and, uh, I just kind of posed that question. I do that a lot. Like, I just like sometimes ask like Twitter, like, Hey, like, this is a question I'm having, like, how do you do it? And I got some really good, like it helped me too. Right. Like I got some new strategies and tactics to deal with it. And, um, yeah, it was really good. Very cool. Well, what what have you tried in terms of those tactics and what, what resonated with you? 
Yeah, I think like, you know, a lot of people mentioned like, you know, motivation doesn't really matter. It's about building habits. And I think I agree with that partially. I feel like you need to have a really strong why. So one thing I did was like, I kind of took like a my notebook and I just wrote down like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I think that kind of relates to what I said earlier. But when you're reminded constantly of the why, like, and I kind of put sticky notes on my um, kind of room area, which kind of kind of reminds me like, hey, like, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I need to do. Like, you know, it's a good reminder. And the other thing is also like, you know, um, you know, building in like little micro habits into your day. Like, I think there was like a book, I think it's Atomic Habits, where it's like, you put a reminder um, of something. Like if you want to work out, you put gym clothes like near your door or something. Um, I don't know why you would put it near your door, but like put gym clothes where you know it's like, um, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I've been trying to do that. So it's like little cues and reminders for myself. And it's like, surprisingly, it's helpful because I think it's making it more of a habit rather than motivation. So, um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think I read that book as well a while ago. And I think the main things for me was the reminders, but also uh, decreasing like the barrier to starting whatever you yeah. want to mm -hmm. do regularly. So I guess that's why the gym closed are out somewhere yeah. where you can see them. Yeah. All right. Well, that's very cool. Um, let's see. We talked a little bit about the balance and the way that you've um, fit in all the stuff that you're working on along with your job. I was curious whether there was anything from your data science work or education or work experience that you feel like helps you as, as you're building these side projects. I'm not a data scientist. I don't really know the field that well. So uh, I, I don't have a lot of context for this, but is there anything, any carryover in skills that you have there? Yeah, I actually think it's, it's, um, there's definitely like some carryover, but I think it's more of like kind of the motivation to figure things out. I feel like, so the area where I work in, it's like cybersecurity data innovation. So like a lot of the stuff I do at work is kind of talking to other teams or like my manager and I, we both talk to other teams and kind of understand their problems and, um, kind of take an abstract idea or abstract kind of business problem that they're facing and kind of turn it into an analytical solution. And I think that's really useful when you're building products too, because it's basically like talking to your users, extracting like kind of the real problem, getting to the core problem that they're facing. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is like just the the aspect of the mindset of figuring things out. Like, you know, at work, nothing's really clear cut. Like in school, like for data science, you get your super clean data set. So you can just start analyzing, start building models. But at work, you kind of have like, like everything's a mess basically like you have to kind of extract what you need and you have to you know clean it up yourself and you have to kind of ideate and kind of think of the problem you're solving a lot more so i think it just kind of in installs like or instills like uh, um sorry <laughs> it instills like kind of the mindset of like hey like i have to figure this out and i have to solve this problem and i think it's very like similar because it's very ambiguous um when you're building products as well like you don't know what you're doing unless you talk to people and get feedback very fast and test and iterate and it's the same kind of mindset for both my work and the product building so um that really helps um that's like a crossover that's like the main um kind of intersection between the two but um but yeah i think it's just like you know working hard figuring it out and um kind of dealing with ambiguity in like the best way possible super um i guess we'll wrap up a little with uh a little bit about what you're working on now or what's next so 
Are there any new features or things that you'd like to put into Interview Jam? Or if not, um, are, are there any tools that you're really excited about learning in the next couple of weeks on the 100 days of no code? Yeah, I think I'm, it's it's not really anything new, but like I think it's more of making the platform more efficient, and that requires a lot more. Like like the user flow needs to be changed, so I think it's more thinking through that. And I feel like you know when you're getting started, you don't really you don't really learn the stuff in school. You kind of have to figure it out, kind of learn how to, how to do that stuff. So um, new features, I think it's more of like making the platform more integrated. Right now, like when I was building it, like. I feel like it looks like, you know, I was learning how to build it when I was building it. So I feel like it needs to be a little bit more cohesive and kind of smooth for the user or like the people using it. Um, so that's pretty much what's next for Interview Jam and like, you know, eventually like looking at partnerships. We've talked to Renee and I have talked to like a couple like, um, you know, companies that kind of sponsor the or like kind of have their product in the universities and like potentially looking at a partnership there. So um, so that's pretty much what's next for that and uh new tool um i'm not really sure you know i'm still learning i'm still trying to figure out i think it's more learning the landscape like i think there's like um zapier that's like you know i want to kind of learn about automating and like integrations that's the next thing i want to learn so very cool all right well i don't think i have any other questions although i guess since the topic is so hot right now i shouldn't let you go with asking you a little bit about the AI part of Interview Jam. Um, so how did you find integrating, is it GPT-4 or ChatGPT into the product and what sort of, I guess, function does it play in Interview Jam? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I started building Interview Jam with the open AI, like original, like, you know, um, GPT-3 before like AI just kind of like blew up, like, you know, just completely went crazy like with everyone so um so it the role it plays actually is like you know when you are applying for a job you kind of want to save the job you have that functionality and it analyzes the job description and like gets you the keywords and you can write your custom cover letters and stuff but I think the main thing is a lot of like people who are looking for a job especially international students like it's hard um for them to tell their story and kind of the behavioral section of the interview is like super difficult for everybody. So it's like, um, how do you tell your story in the most effective way? So you just need to put in like your like key points and stuff and it crafts you like a nice little story or script you can use um, during your interview. But I think that feature is going to evolve into something more as well, because right now it's just like a like I'm basically like a prompt. Um, but AI, like I think it's it's moving so fast, like. You know, it's you kind of have to evolve really fast, and I think the plugins and stuff. Like, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see where like you know it goes, and also like how like you can kind of think. Like, I feel like okay, sorry, this is totally random, but I feel like with AI, like you kind of have to think like what is it going to look like in ten years, and kind of think about how to build something that's going to like you know be like big in ten years, and that's kind of the mindset I'm kind of taking with this. And I don't know if Interview Jam is like that product but I, I definitely know it's going to be like totally insane in 10 years so we'll see yeah it's uh it's a very exciting time i think i'm interviewing three founders today and all of them have ai as sort of a backbone or part of their product so it's uh it's definitely hot well uh 
Thank you so much, Maya, for your time. I know it's early there in Atlanta. It's been really great to meet you and hear about Interview Jam. Uh, I will drop links to your socials. I believe Twitter is probably the best way to follow you, right? So what's your handle there? Um, it's Build with Maya. Yeah. All right. So everybody go follow Build with Maya on Twitter and find out what she's building next. Uh, we got a sneak peek here, but I'm sure she'll share the journey more as she goes along. So thank you so much, Maya, and everybody have a great weekend. Awesome. Thank you so much.